Good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to another edition of our Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection. And uh, we've been working our way through the genealogy of Christ, and we've been talking about uh, the hardship of this fallen world. We've been talking about God's grace. And I'd like us to kind of continue in that theme by looking at another piece to this uh, discussion, and that is the fact that not only does God uh, choose to work through people that are broken and choose to work through people who uh, you, you would you would think there's maybe nothing redeemable there uh, from a human perspective. I would say he also actually delights in working in the lives of people like that and working through them. And uh, we see that in the text in front of us. He doesn't delight in their sin, but he delights in displaying his grace. And we see that. So let's go ahead and read the text again. Uh, again, this is uh, Matthew chapter 1. We're working away from verses 1 to 23, but we're kind of taking it in two parts. It says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Tamar. Phares begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nassan. Nassan begat Solomon, and Solomon begat Boaz and of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Urias. And then we move down to verse 16. It says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Now, we've been looking at this passage and thinking about a lot of pieces that are uh, logical implications that are connected to the stories of the women whose names are mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. And I mentioned at the beginning of this video that God not only chooses to work through broken instruments, but there's also a sense in which he delights in displaying the greatness of his grace. It's not to say that we should feel in any way like it's okay for people to sin. Um, it's like the, the question that is asked in Romans chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who have died to sins live any longer therein? So in no way does the Bible affirm that it's okay for people to sin and that, well, that's okay because God gets more glory out of it. That's not at all what we're suggesting. But what the scripture does teach is that God enjoys demonstrating his grace. He loves to reveal how good he is. In fact, I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. 
it says that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, what are those verses saying? God chooses to work through unlikely people. And he actually enjoys doing that because he displays his power in that way. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness and hath shined into our hearts to give unto us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so we see the same principle being affirmed in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 6, and 7. God works through clay pots. He works through vessels that no one would think are fit for such glorious purposes. Each person mentioned in the text in front of us was an unworthy vessel for such a noble purpose. Not just the women in their lives, but the men as well. Abraham was an unworthy vessel. Isaac was an unworthy vessel. David was an unworthy vessel. Boaz was an unworthy vessel. Every single one of us is a sinner and if God chose to only work through perfect people, then he'd accomplish nothing through people. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as if God has these perfect examples that he can work through. He works with broken people. And we see that in the text. But not just ordinary broken people, but people that are very visibly and publicly broken people he works through. And so we think about that being affirmed in this text. So you say, well, Joel, what's the takeaway from this? What, what can I uh, take away today that will be an encouragement to me? Well, I'll state it this way. Every one of us is a trophy of God's grace. What I mean by that is that our lives bear record of the fact that broken and sinful people are still loved by God. And not only loved, but they're pursued by God and they're purchased through Christ's redemptive work. We are trophies of God's grace. When, when people look at our lives and the change that has taken place after we become Christians, when, when we look at uh, the fact that we are saved and we have an eternal inheritance that we anticipate for all eternity, we are trophies of God's grace. There is no other way to put it. His love is infinitely deep and infinitely wide and expansive, and we can never fully comprehend this. His compassion is far richer and fuller than we can even begin to realize. And so those are some of the takeaways. And because those things are true, not if they're true, because they're true, we can rest in that today. You might feel as if God can never use you. There are things in your life that you say, well, because of that, there's, there's no point in even getting back up because I've fallen so low. There's no way God could use me. And, and, and the simple fact is you believe a lie. You still have value to God. You still can be used by God. He can have purposes. They may be slightly different than what, uh, what you thought you were going to do months ago or years ago, but he still loves you and he's still going to work through your life. And if anything, he can use you as a testimony to the fact that he is kind and he is good and he continues to faithfully work in the lives of people. And so don't feel as if 
uh, your life has, has, has no value or that God couldn't work through you. On the other side of that, don't think that God uses you because you're this perfect person or because you're this greatly gifted person or because you have done something that has somehow earned the right for God to work through you. That's not true either. And so these verses ought to help to provide the balance, a balance that uplifts the brokenhearted and discouraged, and a balance that causes those who begin to uh, start thinking in pride and arrogance to humble themselves and to think biblically about themselves and the opportunities that God has given them. Well, I hope that gives you something to think about today. Lord willing, tomorrow we'll close out uh, this passage of scripture with some final thoughts. Have a blessed morning and Lord willing, we'll meet again tomorrow. Bye now.